Welcome to My Dead Parents. I am Brie Helders. Today we have Reggie Watts. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> That's not your voice. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, hello. Uh, no, hey, I won't hello. Move, I won't movie voice for the, the entirety uh. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> In a place where everyone that you knew became people that were less known to you. Great. Um, okay. Do you know why you're here? Uh, yes, because of the the, uh, the the thing we have in common. The only thing we have in common. Oh, the only thing we have in common. Oh, yeah. That's Otherwise, right. we are mortal enemies. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, it's a good thing we have one thing we the can come thing. together mm-hmm. on. Okay. Which is that we both have dead parents. That's true. We have parents that are they're deceased. Mm-hmm. They've moved on. They're no longer here. They're not of this earth anymore. They've dispersed into the the platosphere. Platosphere? I don't know. That's not a thing, is it? Well, it's that's co- not a word. It could be. I mean, a lot of things could be words. The platosphere. I don't know. It's maybe it's just a plateaued. It's a sphere that's just plateaued. You can't go any further. <laughs> can't expand anymore. It's a fully expanded sphere. It's okay. max. Oh, it's okay, max yeah. expanded. It's, it's plateaued now. Yeah, it's plateaued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 the sure, platosphere. Sure, sure. Okay. Okay. Hi. Come on. Um. Okay. You're. You have a dead dad. I do. How long ago did your father die? I think fifteen years ago. It's a good long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah, been a while. It's crazy. Uh, I'm, mine's still fresh. Oh yeah. Uh, as you know, my, two months. Uh, no, now uh, almost we're gonna come up on a year. Oh okay. In June. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Um, which is, yeah, which is nuts. Yeah. Like that first year, really. Like I don't know. You, the first three months feels. It, at first, it feels like, oh, it feels like it happened yesterday. And then now I'm turning around and I'm like, whoa, I can't believe it's already been a year. It still feels like it was just a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, yeah, 15 years. Did you, were there any significant anniversaries for you or were they hard at first? Or, um, yeah, how do you deal with that stuff? Uh, significant anniversaries. Uh, well,. No, you know, it's really strange. I had a weird, and like I was pretty distant. I mean, I don't know. My father just didn't talk a lot. And uh, and so I didn't, I wasn't super close with him. So when he died, I spent as much time as I could when he was in the hospital. But, um, you know, I, so I remember him there. I wasn't there when he died mm-hmm. for reals. But uh, I was there like maybe the day before. Um. And my mom definitely marks the anniversary. In fact, uh, I'm going back to Montana to uh, for his birthday. But uh, yeah, I think my mom marks the time. Yeah, a lot more than I do. I, I definitely, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, 
honor him in the way that I do in my, you know, in my mind of sphere. But, uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't really have a thing where I'm like, Hey dad, I hope you're, you know, like it's, n- yeah. it's not really that. Although I, I probably should, maybe I'll start. Maybe today. Yeah. Well, maybe when on his birthday, when he died. Yeah. Oh yeah. He died on his birthday. Yeah. Whew. Um, uh, and when is that? May 4th. May 4th. But he also died. Um, he, well, he died twice. He died once on what? his birthday, hmm? late at night, what? and then they brought him back, and oh. then uh, and then he was pissed about that, and then they then they then, then he died for real on the fifth of May. Right. Uh, so he, so did he pass on the operating table? No, not on the operating table. Uh, a table. I think he was just in the. He was in his room and on his bed. did he have people with him or he was by himself i think i think my mom was with him Mm. yeah my mom was with him for sure but they were kind of the they had like a relationship that i didn't fully understand you know like i didn't really get to see i I mean i remember the way they interacted with one another but the way that she describes how she is with him or how she remembers him is a much different relationship of course because you know it's her life and they've been together longer yeah um so but is it in a way where because like you say that he didn't talk much so it is it is it in a way that's like wow i never even i couldn't even imagine that side of him because i never saw it yeah it's definitely that's that's a part of it yeah yeah that's definitely a part of it that's um yeah i had a bit of that with my father i I was lucky enough that he and I got close in the few years before he passed. And he, he was certainly like a person that I, I mean, I, he was the person that I looked up to the most, I think, as a kid in a lot of ways, but also was so, so quiet. And um, like everybody was afraid of him. My cousins mm. or like any friends, everybody was terrified of him. And he was seen as this like, um, you know, this Italian you know st- strong and and terrifying guy but he was actually so sweet and sensitive and um yeah there were a lot of years there where i would hear stories about him about you know his old days when he and, and even see even now i see old pictures of him when he was like younger and like probably when he used to drink and you know party and and stuff and i like I'm like wow i just never even i never saw that side of him it's just a completely different and even like, so I was adopted by, um, like my, uh, my biological father's mother and her husband. So I wasn't okay. biologically related to my father. So, the, so I consider that to be my mother and father, but he had kids, um, that were my biological parents age. Is this making sense? Wow. Is that, does that Crazy. make any sense? But like, so their experience with them is so different from my experience with him. And uh, it's in some ways it's caused some friction. And in some ways it's been like really enlightening to like hear about uh, who these people were. Cause I, I've talked about this on this podcast before about, but about how our our lives are these like sort of blocks of time and then you just only get to overlap with your parents for a certain amount of time like there's so much of their life that we miss that we or that we didn't get to see obviously and then there's so much of our lives that they 
a lot of times, unfortunately, have to miss out on. So we just only mm-hmm. have this sort of overlap. Um, and it's it can be a little difficult to, for me anyway to not sort of obsess over like the the other time. Mm-hmm. You know, want, wishing they were here now and wishing I had seen them then. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I yeah, I get that. It's just like you're reminded of uh, how much you don't know. You know, it's just like there's so much about I mean, unless you have like a really hyper close relationship with mm-hmm. a parent and you you know, remember so many things. I mean, throughout your life because oftentimes when you're you're when you're younger, you're close. When you get older, sometimes parents don't quite have the same skills, so they kind of yeah. distance themselves or you you develop a different relationship to them. Yeah how to be i guess friends with your adult kids yeah 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 exactly it depends you know also i think it's a generational thing you know Mm -hmm. my parents are of an an older generation and they just kind of more basic in their parenting yeah parenting was just like where where are your parents you know we parent (laughs) you you know and they you do that and then you kind of like go i'm out of here mom you know whatever whatever yeah, whatever, mom. And then you go through that stage. And you still like, do mom. that now when you go home. <laughs> sometimes. Whatever, mom. Sometimes I've had my mom. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> she'll get under my skin. And I'll be like, God, why am I being like I'm 14? It's crazy. Um, how old is your mom now? Uh, she's 80. Okay. Yeah, my my mother was <laughs> this is awful. She was 73 for my father was like <laughs> I feel so bad for not knowing their ages. He was like 78. Yeah, so they were the same. So when did they have you? Well, I was adopted. Oh, got you. Got so, you. yeah, so they were they were just I always see. a generation above, and which would made it a little bit uh like strange in terms of other So not, they've passed away. They've passed away. And like so my has your father. My father. biological parents have not. Oh, they're still around. They're still around, but they, but, but they didn't but, raise me. But uh, yeah, but they the greatest. They, they're, you know, they're, aren't we all just doing our best? Of course. Um, my, my biological mother is a person that I consider to be a friend and she raised my sisters who my siblings mm-hmm. are, I mean, I love my sisters very, very much. And, um, you know, that alone kind of made me have to build some kind of a relationship with her because I wanted to be close to my sisters. Mm-hmm. My youngest sister has special needs. So we hit a lot of roadblocks, but I had to keep. I kind of had to keep pushing through them because I was like, well, if I want to see my little sisters, I have to see you. And I'm glad that that, you know, ended up that way because I, I'm glad that I have a positive interaction with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but, but there is the mutual understanding that, you know, she didn't raise me and those were my parents. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, your father, did he have a funeral? I don't think he did. Yeah, he, uh, I think it was funny. I mean, well, it wasn't funny. It could have been. But uh, he, after he passed, I think I <clears throat> came home like maybe, I don't know, I mean, it was like, I feel like it was like two days after or something. I actually have to ask my mom about that. But I was in Chicago doing a gig. And then I remember calling the hospital to check up on him. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll get him. And then like after five minutes, they're like, oh, uh, sorry, he passed away. <laughs> Jesus. And I was like, holy fuck. Oh, my God. I was like, what the fuck? And I think I called my friend John Thomas, who's like my childhood friend. And oh. 
he was awesome. He was, he's a really cool guy. But, um, and then I, I, so I think I, I think I went home like two days later or something like that. And by the time I got home, my mom had cremated him already. Whoa. So I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't really see him. And I'm actually kind of grateful for that. That's what I was going to ask was, yeah, you're glad that you didn't see his body before. Yeah. I like the idea of him. Like I saw him in the hospital. Yeah, and it wouldn't be that hard to imagine him. You know, not right. n- not alive. Although I don't think I've ever I've only seen one dead person, which is my grandma. Mm. Um, but uh, well, that's not true. I did see a woman that jumped from an overpass. What? That was kind of crumpled to the ground for a split second, and I immediately looked away. So that was you as close saw her jump. <clears throat> didn't see her jump jump you she, just she drove by. just she had just jumped oh my gosh and uh, we were driving by so it was still pretty fresh there wasn't like a buildup of traffic or anything like that Whoa. and we just saw this like woman like laying on the ground and and uh yeah very mangly you know and yeah. just for just for a second and i was like oh i'm not gonna look at that too long because i don't want that burned into my mind yeah i good i am so envious of your ability to look away i i'm the exact opposite and i it's part fascination and and well i guess it's all fascination sure but absolutely but also like i i not only would i not have been okay with not seeing the bodies of my parents like any of the people i've lost Mm -hmm. because i've lost a lot of people it's not just my parents it was like in over two year a two-year span it was like my great grandmother, who was like my grandmother, uh, my aunt Betty, uh, my great grandfather, my other aunt, my parents. It was like everybody. All and it was kind of all the people that were around when I was being raised. There's almost no one left, um, and I, most of them, I saw their bodies. And if I didn't, I was really uneasy about it. And I like, and with my parents especially, of course, I, um, I. Uh, I mean, I planned their funerals, mm-hmm. not single-handedly, but I sort of managed all that. And um, when my father passed, I was, he was, so he was first and I was in the room like plan when we all were sat in there planning uh, the, the funeral with like the funeral director at Rose Hills. And uh, it was my mother, my sister and me. And they, I don't, it's kind of crazy that you have to do this, but you have to I go, go and identify the body. And even even though, like, they came and picked up his body, like, Rose Hill's representatives came and, like, picked mm-hmm. up the body, and you sign all the paperwork and everything. But, so I, we had to go and do it, and my mother just looks at me, and she's like, you're going to do it. <laughs> it's going to be, which isn't surprising, given my relationship with my family. Like, I'm the person that just get, takes care of shit. Mm-hmm. But I and I had to just be like, okay, yes, because I was like a yes person to to taking on all of the responsibility and stuff, which I've like made some changes to that in my life. And um, but but I mean, they ended ultimately they decided that they my sister and my mother were like, okay, we're going to go into we're going to go in after you. But um, but it was so it was so good for me to see him in that way because he died in his sleep. Oh, okay. And so even when I went to go see him, he was so at peace when he passed that I had to keep yeah. convincing myself that he was dead. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. he just looked, and I needed to see him in that environment to even believe it. Because um, yeah, right. also it was so surprising, which maybe would have just been for you seeing your father in the hospital. Yes. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you'd skipped over that completely and just seen 
you know, see him at home totally fine. And the next thing you see, he's cremated. Yeah. Maybe that was the step you needed. Yeah. It, yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I felt like, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's not really like a big important thing. The body, the body to me, I think, it, yeah. I think if, if you're in the situation, then, then there, there you are, you know, but, uh, but conceptually in hindsight for me, it was nice because I saw him in the hospital. He was kind of tripping out cause he was on, you know, a lot of painkillers and, uh, and he died of uh, lung can lung cancer, mm. um, but uh, he was like a heavy smoker all of his life. You know, just that you know he was in Vietnam, two tours, and all that stuff. So it was, everything was smoking, smoking, smoking. Yeah. Was hey, I've seen Forrest Gump. There you go. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So uh, I think I think yeah. So I mean, he, he, you know, he was in the hospital just tripping out and. Telling, I was trying to get as many stories out of him as I could. I, I felt like, yeah, this guy's. Probably... Did you want to record it, or did you I, even? I record recorded. It? There's some on uh, Vimeo. Actually, I have really my, my dad. Like he had a birthday party because uh, my friends uh, threw a, an earlier birthday party for him yeah. in the hospital, and um, it was cool. It was a bunch of childhood friends um, who came to the hospital, and it was just great. And uh, yeah, anyways, it, it just seeing him in that state, seeing him trip out and I was hanging out there and he kept saying like, Hey, you don't have to hang around here. I'm like, no, nah, it's cool. It's cool. You know, that has standard procedure or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to go do this gig cause I needed the money. And, uh, I was like, I'll, I'll be right back. Like it was a couple days or something like that. And then of course, like when I went away, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, God damn. But at the same time, like, that was kind of cool. I saw him that I, again, it wouldn't be that far of a stretch to see him past, you know? Yeah. How long had you been there before you had to go to Chicago? Uh, you mean in the the hospital or yeah, in it, Montana? Both, yeah, in Montana. Uh, I think it was in Montana, probably for a week or something like that. So I have you heard? Have people told you that you know when people are passing and they know they're going to go, they choose who they want to be there. They either wait for someone to be there or wait for someone to leave. Oh, to like let themselves that's like a theory that i'd heard a bunch uh -huh. and didn't invest a lot of thought into because it sound it sounded fucking bonkers to me yeah but then um but now i've just seen it happen so many times and with my mother she like we were at her side i mean she went into hospice at home mm -hmm. and uh I mean, she had a ton of people at her side, like, you know, around the clock. I was there a lot of the time. Or my sister, I I tried to be there as much as possible. Obviously, you know, I'm uh, parenting at the time. And uh, and my cousins were there. or And all these other cousins were coming around. And people wanted to come and, and see her and sit with her. Um, and the one time toward the end, from when we pulled the feeding tube, which was m my call, I was like, I and she developed the gurgle and then that can last for um weeks or like or days at least mm -hmm. and once the once we pulled the tube there was just a you know five of us there at all times mm -hmm. and then the minute i mean within 5 minutes of one uh, we were okay so we were all sitting in the living room uh talking and she was just in the bed and we you know been with her nonstop, and, and and it was in view like of where we were but if she'd passed then we wouldn't have have known until we went over to check on her and she didn't then and everybody was like oh we're gonna go to starbucks we're gonna go to target we're gonna go do these things um and i was gonna go 
And I, for whatever reason, I checked her breathing. Because um, also when you do at-home hospice, they just teach you how to like do everything. Yeah, yeah. I checked her breathing. I was looking, like writing down the log of like checking her heart rate, um, making sure she was medicated. And I was like, you know, her breathing is becoming even more irregular. Uh, so I'm just going to stay with her. And I yeah. was sitting, I was writing uh, near her bed with like my foot literally like propped up on the bed and I'm sitting in a chair. And then I, and I hear her, the breathing has stopped and her chest is continuing to gasp for air. Uh-huh. And my, my ex was, um, in the room and I just said to him call them now tell them to turn around and yeah. he like went in the other room and then she died there before anybody could come back oh, wow. and well you were there while I was there and I was the only one and it was so fucking like her to like need it to be just me I was like the you know the strong person that took care of stuff mm-hmm. and I think if if it if there is such a thing as them choosing, it makes sense that she wouldn't want other people to be around her that she wasn't incredibly close to, that she wouldn't want, um, you know, her other kids that she felt maybe couldn't handle it to be there. Um, and so I just like held her hand and like and stroked her face and told her that it was going to be okay and that mm-hmm. it was almost over. And mm-hmm. then she died, and it's nuts, like witnessing that. But, but I, but I, yeah. But also, if that kind of thing exists, it makes sense that your dad would not want you to be there. You know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's true. That my mom was there. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I'm glad that you know. I'm glad it went down like that. I, you know, I hope I'm there for my mom. You know. Yeah. Well, you're. Are you? You're an only child, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's probably. I think that parents make that if again if it's a thing then they probably make that decision based off of who one who they need or who they're trying to protect. Right, right, right. Yeah, if they have yeah, if they have the luxury of, you know, something yeah. that's kind of long and protra- protract protracted. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um is your mom in good health? Is she doing good? Uh she's yeah, she's a, she's yeah, I think she is. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, for someone that had massive heart stuff that go to go down but um yeah you know she's got a lot of medications and um but she still gets around she still tries to do as much as she can on her own and has help but uh yeah i think she's okay i mean on the phone she's super super sharp still and yeah good that's really the cool thing you visit her a lot too right yeah i try to go once a month yeah yeah good boy (laughs) i i was talking to somebody yesterday who is English and only talks to his parents once every three months. And I was like, <laughs> I'm a mom. So yeah. every time I'm like, do you know what childbirth is like? Do you even understand how many hours they spend with you mm. when you were crying as a baby? And I get real, I get real mad. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, people, some people have reasons that they don't want to talk to their parents, sure. and that's completely justified. But this wasn't that. Oh, this it wasn't was that. not yeah. that. He was like, eh. It's like, eh, don't do it. I mean, eh, I, I, I went, time. I went long swaths of time, you know, in, in my in my twenties, you know, in, in Seattle. Like, it just, I didn't communicate that much. You know, my yeah. mom would call like every couple months or something like that. Wow. You know, it was like it was really weird, but because um, I was just like living my life and, you know for whatever reason just you know my parents were doing their thing and living their lives and you know i'm sure she wanted to talk more but i i think she probably figured oh well he'll call or you know i'll call eventually or whatever but uh yeah i just started after my dad passed i started spending more time like figuring out 
ways to spend more time with her. Yeah. Hmm. That's sweet. Um, where are the ashes? Uh, they're on the, um, like in the kitchen. What? Like, yeah, they're like in a vase in the kitchen or urn or whatever. An urn. Isn't I, why? I don't know. That's where she just puts them, like with the view of the garden or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. That so, sounds so she, nice. Just uh, seems like, you know, I mean, what you if somebody's visiting and they're like, oh, no one really notices. I need the flower. Well, it's, I'm going to bake. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, obviously it's sealed, but uh, it's. It, I don't know how that works. It, well, urns are just, you know. I think it's just sealed. a jar. You can just open it up and it's just in there. No, that you can. You have a choice. This one's sealed for sure, and I have a smaller one that she made for me. Oh, that's and, nice. And that one's sealed as well. But it's a great maraca. Is it? It's so it's not in a bag. It's just loose in there. Yeah, it's just like a little bit. And then it. it's like air sealed. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's air sealed, but it's sealed. Yeah, it's sealed. Uh, I have a friend who works in the funeral industry. Uh huh. And. Uh, so caskets are meant to be air sealed and then they're put into a concrete outer shell that's mm-hmm. meant to be also for like safety and to make sure that like I guess plants can't grow through them or whatever and uh, we were talking one day about like the expensive funerals and stuff like that and she was like oh they're not air sealed they're they're not you absolutely that grass is so contaminated like the dirt is yeah I mean it's all meant to be like for you know safety of people being around these like mass you know cemeteries of all the like, oh. thousands and thousands of right. bodies right and she's like none none of them are air sealed that can just totally be in the soil and it's like yeah you know embalming it's like oh yeah Lots, and stuff yeah. too which is worse than a than you know a decomposing body is like the chemicals i think yeah i'm not i'm really not into i don't really understand burying people just mm-hmm. cremate them it's just, it's just a waste of waste of land. Yeah, it's great. Cremation's awesome. It's like the whole idea of it. It's like you know, Native Americans did it. It was just, yeah. just to kind of. I love the purification aspect of it. I love that it condenses sure. it down to something quantifiable that you can carry with you or have in yeah. your home if if so if you wish or you could spread the ashes somewhere and it's nutrients for the ground and yeah. All of that stuff, like I think it's just I don't. It's just the box thing is I don't need to be cremated. I would I would rather not be cremated. But also, you can you can have your body buried in like a sack with seeds. Yeah, right. I would rather and then rather that. become a tree. I've talked about that so a few times on this podcast. Is I I really want to like invest in a big piece of land that is just a cemetery of trees and it's just this beautiful park. But like when you, could you imagine just going to visit your family and it's just the oaks mm-hmm. or the, oh, yeah. the cherry blossoms and like, that's my family. It's all these cherry blossoms and you know who's it. who. It, does that not sound so, so beautiful? Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool to be able to, you know, to know, to know where those things are, you know, and to have like kind of a, a thing that represents it differently. Yeah, I like that. I just anything that's natural is great. I just the whole yeah. casket bullshit with mm-hmm. the stupid hearse and all that crap. It's like such a it's such a dour it's just a downer, you know? It's yeah. like it's like my my thing is if I if if I die, I probably never will, but if I die, <laughs> um I would love to be kind of wrapped up, you know, kind of like a mummy a little bit. Yeah. And then uh 
than than just dropped from a helicopter into a volcano. Why do you need to be wrapped up first? Well, because you don't want to see a floppy body like you want a stiff body a... for sure. Yeah, yeah, you don't want you, you just, and not well, cremated. Oh, well, I just want it to look cool. You know, it's like have like right, cool right, colors right, right, or whatever. Right. You want them to like do a little spin on you before you go down. Yeah, maybe. So you're doing as many flips as possible. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> but I, I mean, like stuff when you throw stuff into a, like hot lava, it just instantaneously evaporates. Yeah, it's just it's immediate. Cool. And I love the idea of just transforming myself into all the constituent parts of the universe like instantaneously and that's yeah that's really sweet you know or if you maybe maybe there's a way for uh, them to reproduce a lot but lot magma is so crazy hot I yeah it is. it's really beautiful as well yeah it's really gorgeous and if I, mean- I ever went near this is the kind of impulse problem i have is if i was ever near an erupting volcano which there was one in Hawaii that I think people were allowed to just walk up to because somehow everyone was taking pictures on their iPhones. Of course. And it seems like they maybe should have put up some sort of like barricade. Like you go to a concert and you can't get within like seven feet of Bon Jovi, but like open magma, yeah. no barricade. Walk right up to it. Seems irresponsible. But yeah. it, So my impulse problem is that if I would have... Um, also, I've never been to a Bon Jovi concert. Please don't think that of me. Mm. Um, yeah. I... If I was near a volcano, uh, I would like not be able to stop throwing all my stuff in it. Oh yeah, yeah just to just see want, it disintegrate. And yeah. by the end of it, I'm wearing no shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am mostly naked. Yeah. So happy being dragged away from that fucking yeah. volcano. Um, I would love to see that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Maybe throw you in. I'll be like, it's what he wanted. Yeah, totally. It's how he just, wanted like, to go. Just like roll up in a pickup truck and just throw, throw it in, just roll away. <laughs> what are you doing? You can't do that. Do late now. Prove it. Prove that I did it. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> um, we have to take a, a brief intermission. Yeah, let's take a break. Cool. Hi, and we're back. Get ready for some great dead talk. <laughs> All right. Dead talk. Dead talk. Dead talk. Dead talk. Get into it. I'm dead talk. This is brother live wire. <laughs> uh, what What do you think happens after you die? Oh, that's so easy. Um, I can't believe it. Humans are so stupid. Um, what happens? Um, yeah. I have. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you can't say for certain, I guess, but I will say that my. What I hope happens is that you just uh, come out of the simulator and you're like, holy shit, that was fucking rad. Right. And the, like the Matrix? Kind of. Like kinda. you wake up and you were in the Matrix? Kind of, but 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 nicer than the Matrix. The Matrix was kind of like janky, techy, whatever stuff. I think this would be just more like kind of spiritual technology. You know, like, like yeah. it's like, you know, consciousness. It's like you're just a bunch of co-consciousnesses you know, yeah. part of the great consciousness. And you're like, oh, that was really fun. That was a cool simulation. Hey, let's try another one. Like, yeah, let's, let's try that. You know, and then you just, you're just constantly having fun experiencing consciousness. I like that. That's my, because I grew up Kath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Bitter? No, Lick. Mm-hmm. Olick. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of the Olicks. And, uh, you know, it's just like that classic heaven and hell and purgatory, all that shit. Yeah. What's purgatory again? Purgatory is like the, like the waiting room. Right. All I know about purgatory is from Lost. 
Oh, yeah. really? Is that is that how they portray purgatory in the Catholic Bible? Uh, I don't know if they've ever had any schematics of what it looks like, mm, but gotta, I think gotta, it's gotta, more gotta. conceptual. Mm-hmm. But obviously, people have, I'm sure, painted paintings of it. But I never remember purgatory was never necessarily an art subject. It was always heaven or hell. They're, those are the ones that got the biggest attention. But purgatory is like the place that you're waiting before you know where you're yeah. going to go. But why would you? Why wouldn't they just know? Well, because it might be crowded. <laughs> It's what? Like, it's an exclusive club, and you know. Oh right, you right, right. And you're like, I just want to see if my friend is inside. Yeah, and totally. Like, yeah. you gotta wait. Yeah, it's like uh, it turns out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, you gotta wait. You gotta have patience. But the just the whole idea of like anthropomorphizing, like whatever happens to energy when it when it when it changes form, essentially, because mm-hmm. that's all that. I mean. The missing element is consciousness. Like, the, yeah. like we're like, well, what is consciousness? Which will be interesting to see if people are able to bring back a cryogenically preserved person mm-hmm. in the future. What would be in there? Yeah, will they? Yeah, will they come back, or will it just why not would, function? No. Why would they? Why would your consciousness just be on hold that entire time? Because it's not. I don't know. If it's not something that can be, if it's not something that is tangible, why would it then be intact? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know. And the other thing is, like, is consciousness? It's to me, you know, there was uh, some guy I read some article about a physicist talking about, I believe it was a physicist anyways, the, the idea that we are perceiving reality from a distant location than what we, where we think we are perceiving it from, which is an interesting theory because, again, it's very simulative because if you if you think about everything that we do is a simu like humans are just simulators you know that's all we that's all we are we're not really our own thing at this point we're we we borrow everything from the environment around us like everything yeah. we are is a composite like you know cars look like something so and so this functions like a thing that you see in nature we design this after dragonflies you know whatever everything yeah. is borrowed so we're just simulators and then you look at like children playing and and they're simulating there's they immediately start simulating what they think reality is right and, and we just keep doing that over and over even when we're going to work and we have a job it's like we're just kind of simulating what a person who has a job yeah does and we look at television shows that inform our simulation even more so everything we're doing is just like boxes and boxes inside of boxes inside of boxes so mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't, and even video games are a perfect analogy. Like you see players, like I'm playing the Division Two, which is a third-person shooter. But like, you'll just see someone standing on the road, like a player, just just frozen, and you know, oh, they probably went to go to get a snack. <laughs> <laughs> they're like getting a snack, yeah. or they're like going through their inventory and like cleaning things up or whatever. But the, <laughs> the character's just frozen, and it's so <laughs> hilarious to me. I'm like that analogy of like i'll be right back i'll be i'll I'll, give me a moment excuse me and so like when people are at board meetings and they're shaking they're nodding their heads they're like yes yes but they're not really there no they're somewhere else right so they're like kind of like doing that and then they'll then they'll snap back in they'll become pilots again yeah it's kind of interesting and so you think that our time on earth is like that snapping in for a bit and then and then checking out yeah i mean to a certain extent i think that if we try to look at it through the I mean, the other thing is like, you know, the allegory of the cave. I don't know much about it, but. The cave? Yeah, the allegory of the cave. It's an old like Greek, I think, kind of thought concept 
thing, story, whatever. Okay. But I guess the idea is that I think it's Greek. Someone's going to correct it. But uh, <laughs> uh, the the basic idea is that if you grew up in a cave and all you, you and someone and the light from the cave, the mouth of the cave going in all, all created shadows and you thought that shadows were people and that, that that's all that you knew, then that's all that you know. So the reality to you is just that. Um, but really right. on the outside world, if you were to venture out of the cave, you'd be like, oh shit, light comes from someplace and it projects. Oh, and then this is a mirror, you know? So that idea that, that we evolved from like, or even life evolving from primordial ooze where somehow, you know, a single cell organism started functioning and then that started dividing, dividing, creating more complex life and then more sensors started yeah. to be created. Yeah. So when I think about being a human being and the fact that you're a collection of sensors, your skin senses things, your eyes, your nose, all, all that you're just a, an intersection of a bunch of sensors, but without mm -hmm. them, what are you? Then that causes existential dread and why people like if you're in a pitch black room, and you have no frame of reference, then you start to question what consciousness is at all, which I think is an interesting indicator of uh, just that the question of what is what does it mean to be alive and what does it mean? Who is observing your life right. if you're aware of yourself? <laughs> and I think that that's so heavy to think about because every person essentially is two people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you have to, in order to be aware of yourself, yeah, you have to be two people. It's like when you're like, should I buy the oranges or the apples? Who are you talking to? Yeah, yeah, you you are by talking to yourself. Yeah, you're, you're then in that that very sentence referring to two people. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Because we we always need something to compare against, and without that, when you take that away, it's like there's no reference. Well, mm -hmm. Then what are you? Which is interesting to me. Yeah. And kind of creepy. <laughs> a creepy. Um, also, I the the dark room thing. Um, I I am incredibly susceptible to like the. I, I don't maybe I don't maybe everybody's like this, but I like like the feeling of like, um, of of being like lost or like purposeless i think that i fall into that i would fall into that quite easily if i like if you were to take away i let's just say i would not do well in solitary confinement mm. i would go mad in about an hour yeah. like I, I and and i am so strongly against solitary confinement like i think it is I, I, there's like so much evidence even in just like the way that we keep animals in captivity that it is just mm -hmm. not the way living things are meant to be no. and and especially the closer you get to a complex mind like a human mind yeah. and like even the difference in behavior of like of monkeys or elephants or you know um animals and mammals that that are being kept away from like social animals yeah. that are being kept away from um contact or around mm -hmm. their own species, they, they just are completely different. Yeah, yeah, they just start to wither away. Oh, I'm just so, so strongly against it. And then we try to spit those humans back into society. Yeah. And it's just like the cycle that like, oh, well, this is where people get labels like degenerate. And like, well, they just keep and like, well, look at the system you just threw them into. And then you just spat them back out into a world where they didn't have access to um, the tools that they would need to like pull themselves up to like this weird standard of society that you like 
think that people need to be. I don't know. No, I no. just really hate it. No, no, of course you're completely right. I mean, it's it's just it's just the it's just the truth. I mean, again, when it comes down to everyone's reality, like there's a collective reality that if you're exposed enough to it, you can adjust yourself within it, and there are always parameters to it. But of course, if you isolate people and then they form their own version of of operational mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. uh it's 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 going to be very very different it's, it's going to be very different it's going to take and it either it'll either take or it won't but people are terrified of a, a different people who live in a different reality yes. that is like that is a loose cannon that they can they are feel so threatened by and like yeah. the lack of predictability lack of predictability terrifies people yeah oh absolutely well i mean it goes down to the biological i mean especially like straight white christians like (laughs) oh yeah fucking terrifying to them Uh, yes well they're the most fear fearful you know it's like there's some of the most fearful people the most hateful and the most fearful yeah some of the fear creates the hate i mean yeah you know they need they need connection and that's their only source of connection is hate yeah and um you know but i mean you know the funny thing is is you can always trick them you, yeah, you can always trick them by like with simple things. It's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. a delicious pie. And it's like, oh, I love that song. You know that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm, then they mm-hmm. just forget for a second. They're like, oh, what? You know, it's like, yeah, why don't you just try like opening up? Yeah, you can even still not like people, but uh, but at least understand that you can you can let go, you can loosen up a little bit. You don't have yeah. to be so like, oh, it's just, it's not, it's never going to last. It's, it's unsustainable. And you're going to either have a stroke, a heart attack, uh, or, you know, someone's going to hate you back so much that they kill you. Yeah. I have this, this strong, all so much of that for me connect, connects to like, uh, I think that the American dream and the concept of it has been incredibly toxic to like the development of America. And I think a lot of that like religion tied into politics and, and, and people who are like living in that world of fear. I think so much of it is this idea that like you come here to fight for yourself and yourself only mm-hmm. and you have to advance past everyone else and everybody who threatens your American dream is a threat to you. Yeah. Like that's where that's where that fucking mind because you don't see that shit anywhere else. Not, not to really. not to this same extent. I mean, you've got like Brexit, and you've got stuff like that. It's yeah. just, but it's certainly not anywhere near on the level that you're seeing it here. This like everyone who it, it just takes so little. I think that there are a lot of people who, that are like for the wall that like don't think they're racist. That don't. Yeah, they think they're being patriotic. And all it took was someone investing this fear that like that's more people trying to come and take your American dream. They're oh, yeah. trying to come for your dream. Yeah, vulnerability, vulnerabilities, exploiting vulnerabilities. It's a hack. It's not, and it, yeah, and it's it's just they got hacked. It's, uh, they got hacked. They got hacked. They did, like, they and I know. think, and I, I, yeah, it's nuts. And but those people obviously aren't smart enough, or opening, or open minded enough, or opening themselves up to enough the right education to mm-hmm. see that, to see that, like, hey, this is racist, <laughs> and what you're yeah. doing is wrong, and you should put humanity before like i don't know your weird sense of patriotism and yeah i mean there's nothing again there's nothing wrong with like you know i've i've talked to people who you know are self-ascribed you know white supremacist or whatever that kind of a thing but we've yeah. had conversations and 
and we both can kind of just we can arrive at a similar conclusion and it might change their ways and again like that that level of hate is unsustainable someone's going to either change or they're just going to go into like solitude somewhere or they're just going to find a very very small community to just isolate themselves in and because they want everything to be like uniform you know but and also just like oh if you hate this then you should also be hating this and you should also be hating this and this and this and it just you could just keep going down that road couldn't you it's like um i i so i used to (laughs) it kind of makes me think of that like i used to be pretty um compulsive obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. um i was raised around a lot of um like mental illness and and disorders such as that and uh it's something that i had to fight for a very long time and um ultimately the thing that helped me through it was saying wait but if i have an issue with um if i don't want to eat at a restaurant because of I don't know, something that I've seen or I saw grout in the corner that was dirty or something Mm -hmm. like that, then I also need to think about the hands of everybody that has touched everything that I'm eating. And then if I get into that, I'm looking at the grocery store. And before the grocery store, what about the people who handled handled it before that? Am I going to be eating the apple skins? What about the knife that cuts through the apple skin? It's going to touch the apple skin before it gets to the center of the apple. Mm -hmm. Apples are porous, so washing it wouldn't take it off. Mm -hmm. And I just would get into, like, you can, if you start going down a road of fear you can just keep going. Yeah. And obviously there are some sure. things that you can't, I mean, I'm also, I'm terrified of sunken ships. No, no amount of logic is going to get me out of that. I know that it's completely irrational. Well, it makes sense. But it's when not irrational. It makes sense. It's, um, it, I think the extent at which I have it, it's just a phobia. But no oh, one okay. is, no one has a phobia of, of other people. That's just, you're like living in like these like f- fears that you believe are logic based, I think. But like, you could just keep going down that hole and now you just hate everyone. Yeah, well, it's like you just don't you don't have a mirror. Do you know what I mean? It's like most of the time it's 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 about it's about how you view yourself. You yeah. Know? So if you become disconnected from your own self reflection, yeah. Then you're kind of opening up yourself up to finding meaning uh, in the outside world. And then, you, mm-hmm. and then if you don't like an ass, if you don't like the fact that you figured out how to connect with yourself mm-hmm. then you'll start blaming other things outside of yourself. And then it just dominoes like you're yeah. describing, you know, they're all disorders are all that. And it's just, uh, you know, again, there's simple fixes, you know, if people have the patience and the, the one thing that you cannot do, I, I think, well, I mean, you can, but and we, and most people do it is you just can't play into the, you can't play into the duality of it. You can't choose a side. As soon as you yeah. choose a side, a side unto itself is drawing a line in the dirt and immediately yeah. declaring other people on the other side of it other. Yes. So, so, so even if you're saying, I hate people who draw lines in the sand and, and call me the other, <laughs> yeah, it's not, I think it's important to recognize that, yeah. but um, also you can't address a problem with the same, the same thing yes. in the same way that the problem arose from, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, sports team mentality belongs yes. only in sports. Yeah, exactly. I like mean, a, it, it's like like uh, when when someone's like perfect. a really, you know, um, passionate. What's a sports name? A sports team. The Panthers. The Panthers. That's not a sports. A real one. Oh, okay. Um, the Steelers. Okay, you're a big. You're a hardcore Steelers fan. Where are they? Pittsburgh. Yep. Oh. 
Good oh, job. Thank well, you. That's a pretty, mm. it's a pretty big brand. Well, it's in there. It's mm, got to be in the brand. But name. I knew it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're like a really big Steelers fan, and you're like, I don't care who the sponsors are, who owns the team, who the manager is, yep. who's playing quarterback uh-huh. huh? quarterback uh, yeah, all of that stuff is gonna change um and you're like i'm a fucking Steelers fan no matter how many times what you change how if they win the super bowl or if they're at the bottom i'm a fucking Steelers fan exactly that's the only time that's okay and i'm not even sure it's okay then but but i, I can respect yeah. that sports is sports right and and that's where you keep that i yeah. don't let that mentality travel to the way that you relate to humans, to politics, to religion. Don't yeah, take issue with shit. Yes. Take issue with stuff, and yep. and and don't be like, don't yeah, don't draw a line in the sand. Yeah, it's just it's it's you know it's tough. It's like you know my thing is believe whatever you want to believe. I mean, in a way, like growing up in Montana, it's kind of more of a, a libertarian state, mm-hmm. which is kind of like do what you do, do you, but just don't fuck with my shit. Yeah. And which I love the practicality of it. It may not necessarily work in urban environments as cleanly, but mm-hmm. in um, you know in Montana, it totally makes sense. Everyone respects each other's right to like do the dumb shit they want to do to themselves and yeah. with their family and their friends. But as soon as it crosses over into affecting your shit, well, then that kind of violates the rules, you yeah. know, which is, and that's a hard, it's a, that's a hard way of looking at it. I mean, so it's a kind of like a, it's a very defined way of looking at it, but there's looseness within that. But I would say like that kind of applies for, especially Americans. Like mm-hmm. I think if Americans want to, I think that's the, that's the great in between. I think the great in between is like, okay, you know, like the thing like abortion. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, if you if you don't like abortions, then, you know, don't have one. one. Yeah, don't have one. It's just don't do that. Just don't do that. Do that. If you're not into it, don't do it. You know, like and that's so simple. It's super practical. It's so practical. This is a medical procedure. Yeah. That like, why would anybody not have access to that? like it's yeah. it's something that people are like historically speaking it's something people are going to do oh they're Regar- gonna figure it out they're gonna figure it out mm-hmm. and uh if you don't give access to safe abortions the result is that only rich kids are going to have abortions yeah that's true which throws off the the balance of like 16 years later guess what you're gonna have like a complete imbalance of like kids being raised in poverty yeah, kids being raised in poverty and kids being raised by people that probably that shouldn't, have, want shouldn't have raised them or yeah. tried to raise them or were pressured to raise them because like, well, you're the parent. So, yeah, but I don't want I don't know. No, you got to do it. And then they're like resentful and that resentment kind of builds up and they don't, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many reasons. And that's the thing is like if someone doesn't want to, if someone doesn't want someone to have an abortion, then why don't they raise the kid? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like like that that type of thinking just like, you know, if you don't like Chinese people, then you don't you, you, <laughs> the thing is there's no way to run away from anything that you hate. Everything no. everything is so cross-pollinated. If you're like, yeah, fuck the Chinese, and then you're like drinking a beer and it's like, oh, the, all those bottles are made in China. Yeah. Oh, the brewery is also um partly owned by a Chinese company. What? Well, I'm not going to drink it. And then you're like, <laughs> you know, there's no way to escape. No. Every we've all built this together, and, I, and in a way, if you think of it as a simulation, the great challenge is that everything is is 
appears to be fractured. Everything has challenges of differentiation and there's all these inequities. And that's what the game is. The game is to not see them as that, to, yeah. to see the, the pragmatic, practical center and the commonalities of all things. Once you get to that zone, you can deal with anybody because then any yeah. a person is just who they are and how they behave and how they treat you and how they treat others. Yeah. You know, and that's so you what can a just person either is. decide to welcome that yeah. sort of person. And something that I've been working on for myself recently is like um, is how much energy I'm giving out versus how much I'm receiving oh, yeah. um, and feeling like I'm I feel like I have really good energy. And, and I'm, I think that I can be, I'm a really supportive person and a really compassionate person. And, and I mean, I think I'm a goddamn delight. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but, well, you keep thinking that. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? Do you, I mean, I, I just want to make sure that the people I'm surrounding myself with are giving me energy and not just receiving it. Uh, and I don't yeah. just mean in like making time for me or whatever. They're, they're making time for me, but how much like, um, I, I mean, how much of themselves are they giving into this? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I try to surround, surround myself with what I call mirror plus people. Yeah. So people that like mirror who you are, like all the great things that you want mm -hmm. to be in, you know, or that you're aspiring to be. And, uh, but they also, there's something more that they're giving to you. And yeah. then if you're, if you're that for each other, then you're just amplifying you're you're reflecting all the great things about each other, but you're also amplifying all the great things. Yes, which is I phew, I, awesome. I I don't want to be any longer be in friendships or relationships where um, someone is just getting a, a lot and learning a lot about themselves from being with me or being around me or mm -hmm. or you know or feeding off of that. But I'm but it's but it's just in that one direction and i'm like i'm not learning anything from you mm -hmm. i'm not like feeling i don't know supported validated um mm -hmm. stimulated mm -hmm. i my only validation is that i'm happy i can help you like that's that's no longer relationships that i want <laughs> around me yeah totally i mean sometimes the relationships they just run their course right you know yeah. it's like you're it's like you're swimming in the ocean and like a you know another person swims up next to you for a while and you're like oh that's cool and you kind of exchange information but that's mm -hmm all the information see you later you know what i mean like yeah. like that's okay i think like there's this kind of weird if you're also if you're you know an entertainer type people people pleaser type yeah you'll hang on to things much longer than you needed to yeah and that's the thing you need to shield yourself but they from. think i'm funny that's so true <laughs> yeah they validate your funniness <laughs> like well i am funny it's like i think you're funny okay great thanks okay you're I'll, in you'll stick around a little bit longer <laughs> He did laugh at that weird he joke. He did laugh at that weird. That didn't hit anyone, anyone else. Yeah. But, but. There's got to be something there. <laughs> Doesn't take much. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we're nearing uh, the end. This is the end. This is the end. Uh, not just in that we will die eventually. Because we will. We might. We, uh, I will. I want to just, I want to just hold the possibility that we might not. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we're the first. Everybody ever, all all of the best people that have ever lived, yeah. have died. Yes, that's so true. I it's. I know it's a funny it's thing. It's something it? I think about. It's like you're you're gonna lot. have to drink water at some point. You're gonna have to eat some food. <laughs> you're gonna have to process the food. The process will be you know eliminated, and then that'll be recycled. You know, there's so much that holds us together. <laughs> Um, so to sum up, we're maybe not going to die. Uh, 
Our parents are dead. Yeah, they are. Well, one well, of your one, of, one of yours is dead. One of mine. Both I mean, in mine. the future, my mother's dead. In the future, your mother yeah, is dead. But in she's the alive future, right now. But she's alive right now. Uh, dope. And you're an awesome son. And um, and you have where are your ashes? Not your ashes because they're currently oh, oh, on your body. Well, I'd have to go into the future. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> um, they're at the Smithsonian Institute. <laughs> no, um, they no my uh, my oh my dad's ashes. They're yeah. they're in my my bedroom on the mantle. Cool. Yeah. That's where you, like put, you put ashes little... on mantles. That's what you're that supposed is, to do. That's the only reason anyone has mantles. Yeah, no, the mantles are for ashes. <laughs> Name Dummy. one other purpose. I can't. Yeah, you just collect them all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them that's all. That's grandpa, my cousin, here's grandma. <laughs> Boy, I just need to get my aunt and then I'll be and complete. And have a full collection. I'll have a full collection. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Um, all right. Well, thank you for coming on. Yes, anytime. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'll see you next week. Okay. I'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hello, my sweet little angels. This is Brie Helders. Thank you so much for listening to My Dead Parents, hosted by me and produced by Julia Meltzer. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and keep with us on Instagram at My Dead Parents. If you have any questions or input, you can also email us at mydeadparentspodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Campfire. <laughs>